0: Hello, (coughs) Chorley. Welcome to the Chorley Little Theatre. Please welcome a man who's giving out free Chorley cakes. It's Richard Herring. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Oh, God, you're much better than last week's audience. God, what a load of pricks. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to Richard Herring's Lancashire's Smelliest Town podcast. Chorley has won again. It's won the honour again. Uh, Before I... I'll do this. No, I won't. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to read you um, the entry I wrote in my blog uh, in 2010, maybe one of the first times I came to Chorley Little Theatre. The day after I went out to pay some money in the bank into the NatWest in Chorley, I wrote, The shopping centre seemed to smell like a dirty crotch. But that might have been me. I hadn't had a shower yet because I was planning on exercising later. But I don't think my crotch was dirty enough to have created such a cloud of stink, so I'm pretty sure this is just how Chorley smells. (laughs) But the fact the town smells like smegma only makes it more remarkable they have such a lovely and well-attended (laughs) theatre. Though I do wonder if maybe the Chorleans only go in there as it's the only place in Chorley that doesn't smell of unclean privates. (laughs) So it's not just a joke that... Acronym at the start. Dot, I was down at uh, the uh, Bee Centre uh, <laughs> the other day. Chorley's Bee Centre. loads of bees. They, uh, they asked themselves to be or not to be, and they decided to be. That's what they decided there. Uh, and uh, there was... This, I tell you, that place has got quite a buzz. That's... Uh, so that... <laughs> and uh, the buzz is saying, So there you go. <coughs> good, good. Uh, look, um... I, I like to look at the local news when I come to a town. Uh, today's news, and this might be useful for you in the audience, is that uh, More Lane is closed as a tree has fallen in the road. That, that's the main headline. That's the main headline in Chorley. <laughs> it's nice when you go to a place where that's the... That's the head. I mean, I guess they get fed up with just going, to town centre smells of shit. <laughs> it's, I can't do... Um, and... Uh, I look up some facts on, uh, on each of the places I go to. Uh, the main fact that seems to be about Chorley is that Chorley-born Miles Standish was a passenger on the Mayflower. Uh, Chorley seems very proud about this. It's the main fact I could see. That was a man who hated Chorley so much he was prepared <laughs> to get on a dangerous ship to go and live somewhere where there are people shooting him with arrows. I don't. I wouldn't be so pleased about it, uh, but well done for that. And uh, I, the lovely uh, Ian and Estelle here at the Chorley Theatre always leave lots of nice things backstage. Uh, and they have they have commissioned a specially made Chorley cake for me, which is a Richard Herring Chorley cake. It's the Herring variant, uh, which includes uh, there's a. Um, you may not know this story, but when I go to Edinburgh, I go to the Tempting Tatty, and, and there's a Richard Herring. My chosen one has become known as the Richard Herring, which is a jack potato with mango chutney and, re- and, and cheddar cheese, red cheddar cheese. Uh, so this is a Chorley cake, which I believe contains mango chutney and cheddar cheese. Um, unfortunately, I'm on a very restricted diet. I did try... I've had one of these before, and it is fucking horrible. Uh, I would... Um... <laughs> I still ate it all, though. Anyone like to try... Do you want to try... Oh, this lady, what's your name? Donna. Donna. Donna's going to try it. You're going to eat it live in front of us? Gonna, yeah. You're giving it to him. What's your name? Well, you are you already eating something, Gray. <laughs> you, eat you can't eat a chorley cake with a mouth full of Haribo or whatever you've got. You've got Coca-Cola. Is, is this a school trip? What's going on? Coca-Cola and crisps. He's going to eat the... He's eating the chorley cake now. How is this? He's having a good bite, no, no problem. What do you think? Fine, isn't it? It's all right. I mean, it's against God and nature, but uh, it's fine. Um, right, my guest this week, I'm away from home. Ooh. Um, I can't wait. I genuinely can't wait to go to sleep. <laughs> and maybe sleep in past half past six who knows we'll see uh, my guest this week is probably best known for portraying an armed robber in Gobi Express that's why we're here will you please welcome the amazing Tez Ilyas ladies and gentlemen Tez Ilyas
2: Tez Ilias, local boy Hello. Hello. Uh, lovely to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you for having me. It's
0: my absolute pleasure. Tell us about being an armed robber in uh, Gobi Express.
2: Um, I'm going to try and remember what Gobi Express was first. <laughs> oh, It's I quite do recent. Remember? It's quite I recent. I remember it was during lockdown. Yeah. Oh, my God. Roll of my life. Um, so it was a guy, guy in Bradford. He's a yeah. puppeteer. Yeah. Uh, and he's got these puppets, a uh, grandma and a granddad. And they run a, a, a local Gobi shop, Gobi's Cauliflower in Punjabi. Um, so like a local store and 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 they get stuck up one day by a, by an arm robber and i happen yeah. to be the arm robber who stuck them up for their mm. for their money wow so was, go,
0: i can see you being good at that role
2: i can see yeah, you doing you. that it was quite quite angry yeah my best <laughs> it was good yeah. good have you have you ever handled a gun in real life uh yes yeah yeah This summer actually oh yeah yeah i was uh, just doing uh, a bit of work experience in syria and um... <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, I go, I go every summer. It's, it's quite good <laughs> yeah. um, if you know if you know your way around. It's quite nice, and um, yeah, a lot of stories. Uh, no, I was I was in I was in New Zealand doing SAS. Who dares wins? Oh, of course. Um, yes. Spoilers: I, yeah. I did not win. And, okay. Um, I'm not <laughs> I'm not built for the SAS, as I found out. But yeah, there was a there was an ep, there was a, um, one of the challenges was rescuing a hostage, so I got to handle a gun for that, which is fun.
0: Wow. Okay. Good. I watch myself. Then I'm going to be careful. Um, look, I've had a lot of fun today uh, watching your special, reading your uh, brilliant book. Let's talk a little bit about your book first of all, because this is—it's a good place to start because it's uh, all about your childhood, basically, mm-hmm. really. So it's called uh, "The Secret Diary of a British Muslim, aged thirteen and three quarters." Yeah. So a little nod to Adrian Mole for the older people in the—I mean, we all know Adrian Mole, right? Even the—even the many young people in the audience tonight. <laughs> 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 I've heard of that. Um, uh, it, it's what what made you want to write about your childhood, and why do you, it's, in, it's quite it's an interesting format to choose the diary format as well. What was?
2: Yeah, I think the reason I chose the diary format is because um, I, I don't know how to write, um, <laughs> uh, and I thought instead of some, instead of writing prose, I'd just write in a diary format. It seemed like a bit of a shortcut. But the idea came from the publishers themselves. I had, I had an idea of writing a book, sort of five six years ago, called. Uh, Islam for Infidels, um, <laughs> just sort of a dummy's guide to Islam, but with a pro- with a provocative title that yes. I thought that, that could be quite that could be that could be quite fun. Um, and then maybe write a couple of sample chapters. Seemed like quite good fun. And then when the pandemic hit, the department I was working with in the publishers just thought, okay, we need people to write books now. And they came to me with the idea of writing a biography because yeah. i didn't, I'd, I'd never thought anyone would be interested. Um, and they sort of took me into
0: it. Yeah. yeah. I think but it's because the diary is not... You, do, you didn't actually write no. a diary. So, you know, you had to reconstruct the diary. I think that's harder than just writing it as a, as a book, to say. I think because I think you've got to make
2: sure the dates are right. Yeah, and you've yeah. got to work out how you would have written. <laughs> I had a massive spreadsheet where I wrote the years across the top, all the months on the bottom, and then just tried to fill in as best I could from memory what would have happened then. And then the, the stuff that you shift around and you're like... That might have happened then, but I've got nothing for April ninety eight, so <laughs> I just pretend that thing happened in that month. I just place it there because I need something to write about in that month.
0: Yeah, and what I, I, mean, I, I what I like about it is, be, you know, I th- and I am sure this is intentional, is that. You know, and everyone's going to identify with, with with lots of it because it's just it's about adolescence and it's mm. about the silly things we go through and the worries and you know talk, writing about big subjects, then writing about little subjects as if they're sort of equal. But then obviously it's also got this extra element of, for me at least, where your upbringing is very different <laughs> to my my upbringing uh, and, and what it is what it is to be uh, a Muslim in the UK and all, this, all the I all mean, the terrible things you. have been through mm. uh, as well as as well as but as well as a look at what family life is like for muslim people in yeah. in the uk so it's it's a really you know it draws you in it, 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 it makes you you know it, it feels like universal but then equally it's it's an experience that hopefully um, i guess you're writing for both audiences right both for muslims in the uk and people who are who need to learn about <laughs> yeah honest, com-
2: completely i i I wrote, when, I, when I finished the book, I genuinely looked at it and I thought, I wish I read something like this when I was a kid. I, I wish like someone in my dad's generation had written a book about what it was like growing up in the 70s. Yeah. And so it's a snapshot of a specific period of time in a specific town um, and and what that was like for me as a British Pakistani, Pakistani lad. And there are some things that are completely universal. Yeah. Uh, like, fancying um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And there, and there are things <laughs> that are slightly less universal, like rocking back and forth in mosque while you're reading the Quran, which I never realised I did until someone pointed it out to me and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I did, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing this? <laughs> well, it's you know,
0: even, like, straight away, it's quite, quite instant, packed because you get run over, like, in the yeah. first few pages. Yeah. Uh, there's sort of fights and, and various, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a great sort of story about you all... Uh, b- b- trying to go and... Uh, I don't know what you are going to do to the sheep, but you are going to go and try and t- get to some sheep in a farm and the yeah. farmer sh- sort of shooting at you, I mean, shooting yeah. in the air. So our high school
2: was basically <laughs> next to... A f- a f- there were two high schools and between them was some woods and some farm- f- farmland and stuff. Yeah, And so we always... We, lunchtime was like an hour and ten minutes. And so we always set ourselves a challenge of what is the furthest we can go into... Woods were out of bounds as well. So this is a bit of high school for anyone who knows it. And so woods were out of bounds anyway. So we would just we would just go and play in the woods, like because we. In my head, we were famous five, but I never said that out loud because <laughs> the other boys, the other boys probably would have punched me if I if I <laughs> if I told them that I read. Um, uh, and <laughs> it was um, I got into. Uh, Sorry, digression. I got into Harry Potter because my sister, my older sister, borrowed it from my from my younger cousin, and she read it and she loved it. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to read a book about a wizard. And then she said, Well, actually, you, you, our cousin Shiraz she goes. Shiraz has read it as well. Now, at that point in my life, Shiraz, just a month ago, had gone into a, another school and hit someone in the head with a hammer. Right. And I thought, Well, I, well if Shiraz has read it, then it must be quite cool. Then. So I, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I read Harry Potter one, because my because my cousin Thor was um, was uh, was uh, <laughs> had read it. But, um, but no, so, so these, these woods were sort of in between these two schools and we just had the idea, like, could we reach the other school right. and be back and in we... time? Um, the, the answer is no, but there was one <laughs> time where we saw some sheep and, you know, like, we weren't doing anything ungodly to the sheep, but, you know, <laughs> we were chasing them around because we were young lads and then there was a, shama, a, a, shama, a farmer who had a shotgun who just hit one blast into the air and we just... just, just just, our ears were ringing, and we just fled in all different directions. And some of us got caught, and some of us never.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's, so that's that's all very exciting. And then there's you know, and then there's the stuff that you know, it, it's interesting because even we, even though you know, I'm I'm interested in religion and I'm interested in this subject. I realized how little I know about Islam, really, and about mm. and about what goes on. So all that stuff's very interesting, and, and what you know, and what what the family life is, and what the and what the you know the like you say the mosque things i think i think the thing that really caught my attention both in this in the book and in your uh, radio four show was the uh, the, the shaving aspect of oh. uh, of islam <laughs> which i was not aware of the things yeah. that you have to
2: shave yeah so for those of you that don't know um in in islam men and women um have to remove our pubic hair and armpit hair so that's a a thing that we, we, we yeah. do, so yeah. It's, Is that uh,
0: where this started for men? Because guys never used to win their, And, yeah, and In the 70s, everyone had bushes and women had bushes. So I can't remember the last time I saw a proper, proper I don't think
2: many Muslim bushes were captured in the 70s. No, on, <laughs> on,
0: on <laughs> I'm not, I'm talking, I'm talking generally. But, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. but then now guys have started doing it as well. So, you yeah, know, so it we, started, we start, you started we start, it.
2: We started that, yeah. The, the trend that we thought came from pornography yeah. came from us. Yeah. So yeah, we were, we did that. But it's quite it's, it's weird for me because I'm a very hairy man. I can, like I can. Tell. I've got yeah. I've got um. I've got one tattoo and it's of Chewbacca just from <laughs> from from head to toe. And so shaving certain areas does then make it look quite odd. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like an elephant creeping out of a bush just um. So, yeah, it was a bit odd when I shaved some Mary's and I'm like, but I'm just so hairy everywhere else. It's, it's weird, it's weird. <laughs> and the first time you had to, d- to do that, you sort of write about doing it in the bath and... Yeah. Yeah, and clogging up the bath and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was too embarrassed to ask anyone. Yeah. Um, didn't have a good relationship with my stepdad. Just didn't then also have a good relationship with, with my own dad. Although just not close enough to be like, how do I shave my dick? Um, yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so you just kind of go, well, let's just do it. Yeah, so I just started. I just started doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's that such a human story and a human moment, and a, but also like what kind of mind blowing yeah, as yeah. well. So it's great. So those things I think are just terrific. But then also, obviously, on the other side is the the racism that you that you faced as well, which I think you know you cover re- really well because it's not you know it's not it's it's a part of this book. It's not you know it would be easy, I'm sure, to write. A book that was mm. about the racism yeah, that you encountered. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be as I'm not. It's not a light touch because that's
2: not the right way of saying it. But you know, you know what I mean. It's not. Yeah, it it's doesn't, not it pervading doesn't the whole thing. Dominate our lives. No. It's sort of look back at retrospectively and go, oh my god, that was that was a lot of awful shit going on. Yeah. But at the time when you're living through it, you don't. You never think that. And yeah. I mean, unless you're in like, like a literal war zone or something, you never think your life is that bad because you become conditioned to your own experiences. And so whatever is happening in your life. Because it's happened to people around you and to everyone in your community is kind of just normal. Yeah, sure. Um and these weren't everyday stories. They were these weren't things that you're doing everyday people coming and going, Oh, this happened and this happened. It just you know, it happened now and again.
0: Yeah. And you know, I suppose but all the world of I mean it's interesting, the world events that happened, and a lot of big world events happened in those in mm. those years. I mean, the Princess Diana dying and, and there's a there's a sort of uh, well you have you know, you're a you're a student you're a clever guy at school, but you've got a big mouth, I think mm. it would be fair to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's when Jill Dando dies, you sort of make an inappropriate joke about Giordano yeah. that you get into a lot of trouble for. Uh, but and then obviously nine eleven is is sort of towards the end
2: of the book. It's the, it's the headliner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's that that obviously had a like a a, a huge impact, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I nearly did the same joke as you did about children, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, on 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 your lives.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was um, it was interesting because I, I I straight after nine eleven I went to um, university. It was literally I think two or three weeks later. So I was 18 yeah. and a half, uh, to keep it the theme of the book. And yeah, I went to uni and it was just so weird because everyone because I had come from this very insular pakistani muslim community and all the school was quite mixed everything else really wasn't and then suddenly thrust into lancaster up the road and very very middle class very white um everyone who there who wasn't white was a foreign student um so suddenly i'm best friends with people from all over the country from all walks of life from different classes and stuff stuff that i would never really thought about and just some of those lads had such dark senses of humour, <laughs> to think really helped me shape, helped shape me into sort of wh- wh- what I eventually became. Yeah. Because um, they were cracking all sorts of nine eleven jokes and stuff that then kind of bizarrely just made me more comfortable. I was like, oh, this is, this, this lads. Yeah. This is sort of stuff that we laugh about at home. It was of just, course. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you know, and humour, it's interesting, isn't it, how humour can, I mean, it can be used to... to... Push, pull people apart and mm. it can be used to bring people together yeah and almost the same sometimes the same joke it's just it's just the
2: way it's told or or yeah, the, or it, the how, it, how much you trust the it, person you know or how you like the person it's completely it happens all the time where a joke in a room is received in a certain way yeah and then you pour it on youtube and then suddenly <laughs> the whole world can see it and it's received differently and you're like oh hang on but in the room people were fine yeah but just it's not in the room anymore yeah people people then tend to uh not not enjoy it as much sometimes.
0: Sure, and I, I quite like the fact that you went to uh, you studied biochemistry at university, yeah. just as sort of anthrax was being sent <laughs> in the post. Yeah, so there was there were
2: like jokes to make about that. And yeah, stuff. it was just yeah, it was it was it was it was a fun it was a fun period for for doc jokes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If only there could be another nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, if only something would happen. Very good for my career. Um, yeah. And it it feels like something that you know could easily be. I mean, the book. It feels like something that could easily be a television series or a film. Has there been any interest in sort of? uh, That
2: has a little bit. We are working with um, a production company to to try and turn it into maybe a a TV show. Stuff. It's just so hard. I mean, you'll know it's so hard to get stuff made. It is. Um, doesn't matter if you've got great ideas or not. I mean, the stuff we see on TV that we like—how did that get made? And yeah. um, I think some. Now that I'm in it, trying to get stuff made, just think about how much—not not speaking for myself, but speaking on behalf of our fraternity—how much good stuff doesn't get made. Yeah. Because just for whatever reason, there's not a budget for it, or there's not a vision for it, or the, some like this has this probably happened to you as well, where you, you you take a project so far along, and then the commissioner who loved your idea changes. And then they've got their own idea of what should be on their channel, and then your stuff gets pulled to the back. So, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's
0: endlessly happened to me. Yeah. So uh, it's (laughs) that's the if you take too long to write your scripts, yeah. Then then there's someone else and go. Well, I'm not doing this. This was someone else's commission. Uh, So yeah. I mean, you know, great things do get through, obviously, but it's but you know, there's a lot of competition. I think there's so many people trying to do things now. But equally, there's just there's that bit of luck. You need the right person to see it, the person who gets it. Person who gives you the chance, you know. So yeah, there's there's so much there's so much luck in it, but I've, it does feel like, you know, it, it, could feel, be. it well it feels necessary as well because I just think it, you know if I don't know uh, about Islam, then most people don't, you know, most white people in, in the UK don't don't yeah. know don't know enough about it or have an uh, you know have preconceptions about it that. Mm. Have, that, and you—you're clearly a, a religious person still, you know. There's, it's which a lot, a lot of comedians, and myself included, will be brought up religious and then turn against it. But uh, the, the, that you haven't—the no, comedy don't.
2: hasn't. Muslims don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's not true. Um, uh, yeah, I have friends who who, who aren't practicing, but yeah, it's I was brought up in a very. Not very... Actually, let me take that back. I wasn't brought up in a very religious household, but I was, I was brought up in a believing household.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think, weirdly, the more sort of Islamophobia and racism there's been kind of post-9-11, the closer it's brought people to their religion. Yeah. So I kind of almost think that sort of... In the same way that if you tell people they're stupid for thinking Brexit's a good idea, it's not going to change their minds. No. In the same way, if you tell a religious person they're stupid for being religious, it's, if anything is going to make me double down, I'm like, all right, well, I'll be, I'll be stupid then.
0: But you are, yeah, you are admitting that you are stupid yeah, to be of religious. Course <laughs> yeah, no, no. You're as stupid as someone who believes in Brexit. <laughs> as long as we have that established... <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs> into <No>. that dignified silence. <laughs>
0: but no, it's you know. But I'm, I, I also think it's 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 impressive to to to, to believe some in anything really. And it's impressive to stay true to that. And you know, I think what well, again, it, it's a, all of your stuff is a, is about. Um, you know, you're. I think you're. You know, you're quite a, a brave comedian. You're doing risque material and you're, and you're you're taking some chances. But it's all about family and it's about sticking together and it's mm. you know and it's about. You know, it, it's you know, it's about changing people's minds as well about about what the game getting. But it, but but it's, again, it doesn't feel like in your, in your special, which again is available on online uh, for for free. People can can watch yeah. that for free, so do go and watch it. The uh, the Tez talks is it that one? That's the yep. one. end yeah,
2: talks. That's, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, which is great. I watched that watched that today. Um, and uh, you know, that's that's a you play around with these ideas and back with the racism and with. You know, even the seriousness of the subject, there's a great bit where you sort of do a, a really serious, what feels like the end of the show is very serious and then you take the piss out of that as well. So, you know, you've got this playful spirit with it so you're still very much a, you know, a challenging comedian and so it's, you know, it's quite good to be getting that from a, from a, a position of faith, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I always, in my, in my stand-up, I've always wanted to be um, universal. I've never wanted to alienate anyone. I've never wanted anyone to think that this wouldn't be a show for them. So I've always wanted it to be the sort of comic that anyone from any background could come and watch, and it just so happens that the things that I like talking and joking about are things that I care about and are related to my lived experiences. Um, yeah. But I think that's the case for most comedians. Yeah. Um, I would. I would love to do what McIntyre does. <laughs> I would. I would love to be able to, like, you know, have an experience on an escalator, <laughs> and and be able to turn that into ten minutes of just. Material like, I would, my, my mind doesn't think that way and I'm, and I'm sure his mind doesn't think, turn, think the way that mind does. but, you know, <laughs> I think he's doing better than I am. But I think it would... I would love to be like that observational guy who yeah. just, you know, who has his experiences and I can turn that into a 15-minute thing but it's just not how my mind works. So my no. mind works the way it does and I try and bring that to audiences and, and most audiences that watch it do, do, do enjoy it. So it yeah. sort of keeps you going.
0: Yeah, but it's but again, it's, as a lot of comedians doing, you're putting that, those specials up for free... So people can go and find mm. them, and you know, and, and so it's it's a it's a really great thing to do, um, I think, in terms of just bringing an an audience to it, and yeah, yeah it's it's you know, it, it, it's getting harder to monetize anyway, so you might as well give it out for for yeah. free, and yeah. and then and then and then promote the next tour uh, in that in the show. I mean, this you know, again, yeah. this is near the near this, the top of that that show. You talk about um, kind of a leaflet you've got, which with the or a, a, yeah. the, the punish a Muslim. Day thing, Punisher which again Muslim feels Day. feels like you know, it feels like so extreme that I mean you get you wring the humour out of it as well, but it's kind of terrifying as well, this this idea. Yeah,
2: I remember when I started so it's punish a Muslim Day was this um leaf, leafleting campaign started by this. I think they eventually caught him. He lived in Lincolnshire, I think. Uh, of course. And um <laughs> and, and he just sent this letter. Um, basically detailing how we'd want to punish Muslims. And it's quite graphic to, like, MPs, um, other famous Muslims, like, media media figures and stuff, and, and then to just random households around the country. Um, and then pe- people were scared, but I just... I immediately found it funny. <laughs> like, I just read it and I thought, this is so funny. And I, I took it on stage that night, and the bit that you see in the show was... I think 80% of it was improvised. Right. That night, just going on stage and just talking... Through it line by line, yeah, um, and then I thought this could be a bit actually, and yeah, because it's sort of
0: about awarding points for yeah. the more extreme things, yeah. but like, the, yeah, there's no, there's no logic, there's to no it. logic to have the point system, <laughs> yeah, which I yeah. think is the funny thing to think yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when you're talking about the burning yeah. down mosques and yeah, things like yeah, that, which yeah. would be, you know, is obviously like a horrific yeah. idea.
2: I think one of them was like, I think one of them was something like. Um, it was, oh, throw acid in the face of a Muslim. Yeah. And then there's only 50 points. Yeah. And my point was, that's just not enough points for, for <laughs> what is potentially a 15 year jail sentence. You'd want, you'd, want to re, you'd want more points for that risk, wouldn't you? So I just thought it didn't, didn't really stand up to scrutiny. <laughs> and then nuclear bomb yeah, was, yeah, in the Middle East or was Nube, it or Mecca? Was, I mean, was Mecca the, the, was the last one. And I thought, well, surely at that point you just won. <laughs> like, you yeah. can't. Because that one was two, two and a half thousand points. And I thought, No, surely just, like, if I've accumulated loads of other points doing everything else, but someone's nuked Mecca, you can't give me the victory. You can't be like, well, but he threw a lot of acid, so big enough to give him the victory. It's
0: just the the idea of anyone managing that. Everyone else will be like, oh, I only only pushed someone over. I feel like like
2: Victor Crum at the end of Uh, Harry (laughs) Potter, when he catches the golden snitch, but he doesn't win the game. (laughs)
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: You must have been trouble for the teachers. I think, you know, the the, the story where... what's this story where you say um, your friend had broken his neck do you remember this bit in yeah the, in the book? so my,
2: my, my best friend who I sat with every single day of high school he just didn't turn up to school one day and this was pre-mobile phone so I had no idea why he hadn't turned up to school and then did, when, you, when you're at school your teacher always asks you why your friend's not in do you, do you remember <laughs> she like why is Tom not in you're like I, I don't know but on this particular occasion I just went oh Missy's broken his neck and as soon as I said it I thought I've just chosen the wrong thing here because her face dropped and she was, and I was like, oh, and I just, and I just had to be like, yeah. And she went, that's really serious. And I went, yeah, this <laughs> it is it's really bad. Yeah. It's, oh, oh. And then he came in the next day and I was like, <laughs> I was like, you don't have to pretend you've broken your neck. But then in every class, because you because you're tutor group, then obviously you're in a lot of classes with them. Like every time the teacher's like, you know, when you go to your next class, biology or whatever, and the teacher's like, oh, there's Hasim? And then Fiona's like, oh, Tesno's. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he broke his, he's broke his neck, <laughs> <laughs> And then she's like, he might be paralyzed. And head, I'm like, yeah, he, he might. He might. I hope he's not. It's just the love,
0: the short termism of it, of just <laughs> yeah. like, you know, not even thinking, how am I going to get out of this? I just love it. It's just you know, but it's but again, it exemplifies humanity. as what you know is what you were like. One was like as a kid. Yeah. I was the lab math kid at school, so so I you know I, I completely get it. Um, so know, you, you were you were sort of in the book. You're sort of talking about wanting to be a, a doctor. You were kind of ended up working in the civil service. Mm. So how did you how did you you know set, get get segue away from that into doing. The comedy.
2: What was what was the? Um, so I think the doctor thing was always an ambition I had as a kid, and I don't know if that was whether that come from me organically or whether my mum incepted it in my mind when yes. I was asleep one day. Um, but but yeah, I always wanted to be a doctor. Is um, was the thing, and then I think I was always told you need six A's at GCSE. Six A's. That's what you need. Managed to get those uh, in this very very rough school that I went to, and and then just got thrown out of home um, between sort of school and college. And then just kind of, I didn't really go off the rails. I just kind of took my eye off the ball and I just started coasting at college. And I didn't have, and my mum was a real dragon mum, sort of made sure I did my homework and was on top of me all the time and stuff. And then I just didn't have that anymore. Yeah. And so I kind of just let it relax and just thought I could get by on how clever I thought I was,
0: Yeah.
2: which was not enough. Um, <laughs> and so I just really, really flunked my A-levels, which ended up putting me through clearing. So I did, then I did biochemistry at Lancaster. Yeah. And then by the time I'd finished the degree, I'd really just fallen out of love with science and just didn't fancy working on, in a hospital or a lab or something. So, then, so then civil delayed. service. Well, I just started looking at um, uh, graduate jobs. Yeah. Um, and what graduate jobs could I get with a tutu? And um, <laughs> it sort of limits your choices a little right. bit. So uh, the civil service, the, the Fast Stream, which is a civil service graduate program, uh, does accept a tutu. And it's one of the most prestigious programs in the country. And so I applied for it. And I somehow managed to get on, and like all of my friends tried as well, and none of them could pass the tests. And so, is there anyone here who's tried the fast stream?
1: Did. Did, no. you, did you get in?
2: I <laughs> had dickhead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's it's quite it's quite hard to get in. Only yeah. the only the, only the brightest and the best to get in. Um, this lady says she passed the test. Yeah, she I, I passed I, the I, test. It didn't play into my narrative like. So no, I it what doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Very keen for everyone to know. No, I, I was, I was, I was lucky. I got lucky, and I got into the civil service. And then... But then
0: you didn't, you know. But then you left the civil service yeah. to become a comedian. I mean, what was, what was, was it? Was it, I mean, you were obviously funny as a kid, and you were obviously like smart, you know, smart and maybe smart ass as a kid. Yeah. So was that, But you know, I get it. Doesn't feel like that that would have been a natural as it didn't for me. It didn't feel like the, that. That's the career progression that you might be going on.
2: No, it wasn't, but like I had no other. Ambitions really. I mean, yeah. I never thought from where I come from in Blackburn. I've said this once I started working in this career that I know more people in prison than who've gone to work in the arts in Blackburn. <laughs> so there was no sort of role models or yeah. even scope. Even at school, there was no one who, was, who even entertained a career in me. Even like, you know, another kid in the class who was like, oh, I want fancy working in. There was no one, literally, no one in the whole school did anything of. Not in terms of being in the arts or anything. Yeah. It just wasn't on my radar whatsoever. So, just being in the civil service and climbing that ladder was as much about, was as much ambition as I had. And you know, there's the, fantastic careers in the civil service, and I was working on some quite cool stuff. Like, I worked on the Olympics for three years. Right. And that was cruel. like my discus um, didn't, didn't meddle. Um, <laughs> but no I, no, I worked in security for keeping the Olympics safe and secure. So, right. uh, do you remember the 2012 Olympics? Um, do you remember how there was no uh, terrorist attacks? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And um, so I did, I did that, and, and there's a lot of, lot of cool experiences came from that. And then, but I, I think it was two years in, so, so I'd gone down to London, came back up for a couple of years to work in Liverpool, and then went back to London again. And just that second time round, I was just like, I just need to make some friends. <laughs> yeah. um, so I started looking online for stuff that I could do, started Googling writing workshops, and that's when I came across a stand-up workshop. Right. And I thought, huh? Never thought about it before. Well, that's a lie. I had thought about it watching like Eddie Murphy and thinking, "Oh, could I do that?" <laughs> um, but just something that I, I, I just happened to be the right place, right time. Found this thing, had enough money in my bank account, and I just thought, "I'm just going to go for it." And that was January 2010. Right. So I did the workshop in 20 in April, and yeah. then that summer, June 2010, was my first ever gig. Right. Uh, and so I balanced both for about six and a half years. 'Cause obviously as you know the open mic circuit does not pay. It does not pay very it's much. Not, it does not and pay. Um, and so six and a half years I did that was my apprenticeship. Yeah. So my yeah, first so my it's... first two Edinburgh's I was I had my full time job. Right. And so you just managed to work the the Yeah, I had very it. nice, very, very lovely, understanding land managers who gave me the summer off. Right.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah, but it, you know, I, I, it feels like it's been a rapid success. But I suppose, you know, it is still, that's still 13 years of work, so there's, it's, a, it's a long work. But, it, but you know, the, the, the special that's online is, a, you know, is, it feels like the a, a very accomplished piece of work. You know, it's a very, you. you know, it's, it feels like someone who's been doing it for longer than that, I would say, really, to be honest. Oh, but, yeah, but it's, um, at, what, at what point did you sort of think, yeah, this, this is, what was the thing that made you think I, I can quit the day job? Um, it was just money, really.
2: It was, yeah. it was, it was. I, I don't, I don't, I don't come from money. i never asked anyone for financial help at home because they wouldn't be in a position to offer it. Um, and so it was that point where I could make enough money if I left my job and quit London. Yeah. So quitting London was the key as well. Right. Uh, even though I, now I'm super glad that I did, um, but at the time I just I didn't want to leave London. No. But it was the only way that I could have made the job. Uh, sort of leaving job work.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. So the the, the return to... You live in uh, Blackburn, Blackburn yeah. now. So, yeah, 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 So you've gone back to Blackburn. Yeah. So that was more a financial thing than... Yeah, yeah. Than, yeah. And plus my
2: mum was on her own as well, so I thought, go and look after mum. Yeah. Not that she needs looking after, but, you know. Yeah. I'll just be around.
0: Is it, is it... You know, again, a lot of people would have got done the, gone the other way, right? They would have think I'm going to be a famous comedian. I, I can now leave Blackburn mm. and live somewhere nice. <laughs> um surely <laughs> like <Chorley. Literally>. um, <laughs> um so yeah that that's you know I think it says a lot about someone again. I think, you know, as much as you're saying that it made sense to leave London and you didn't want to leave London, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't make that journey in the mm. opposite direction and wouldn't go back to their childhood home and or childhood hometown and, and live there. So
2: Yeah, I just but at that point, I had nothing to prove in London in terms of stand-up. So there was nowhere I needed to go and do open mic spots at or open spots. At. I, every club I needed to be in with, I was in with. Yeah. Or weren't going to book me. So, so stand-up-wise, there was no reason to be in London other than when I was booked for shows. Uh, then it came about like meetings and TV and all that sort of stuff. And luckily, we had that great um, pandemic Um <laughs> In which uh, people learned that you don't need to be in the same room to have a meeting. Yes. Um, so that was that was the one good, that was one of the silver linings of the pandemic was Zoom, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's helped a lot because um, yeah, people just drag you down for like these twenty-minute meetings for for so many things they don't do anymore, thank God.
0: Yeah, with well, Limmy, when one of the thing, the first time Limmy was on, who's from Glasgow, he was brought down from Glasgow to London to be told they weren't going to make his show. <laughs> 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 and then had to go That's home, again, sort of funny. which is uh, very typical of the TV executives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But absolutely unbelievable. You would just think, I'll, I'll write him a letter. Yeah. I'll, I'll ring him up and tell yeah, him yeah. he or doesn't, his
2: email. Need <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need to come. Doesn't need
0: to come there. But the TV, you know, you've done loads of TV stuff. I was, I'm kind of interested in the Teza Clock Show because the bits I've seen of that are are, are really great. But it was, yeah. it was it was it was it quite a short lived. Yeah, was it,
2: and right, it was it it becoming a pandemic casualty. Oh, it, was it? it was, yeah. So it was it was always been an ambition of mine to you know have a have a tv show with your name in the title and i was a big fan of john stewart and all the sorts of things that you get in america and finally given the opportunity and channel four were great they let me just get on with it and it was kind of what ended up on tv was kind of like 80 90 percent of what i wanted the show to be which is more than you can possibly dream of having in terms of creative control and I got to have mates on the show like Adam Raw and 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 Sindhu v and Sophie Willen, um who've all gone left me behind. But it was but it was it was it was such a fun thing to do. And but they basically gave us an extended pilot run instead nice. of one show for a pilot. They gave us three right. episodes, so it's almost like a mini, sea, mini yeah. season. Um, and we put them out, and people in people who watched it <laughs> enjoyed <laughs> it. Uh, was very critically well received. And then, you know, you end up in the meetings of like, where do they go next? What needs improving? And in the umming and ring, the pandemic hit. And then there's no point in asking the question in the pandemic. And then after the pandemic, it just seemed like that ship had sailed. And it's kind of. Yeah, that's a shame. Turn on four, have no money anymore.
0: Yes, that is also true. It's a real shame because I think it did, you know, it does, it did feel like, you know, I, I, I was actually surprised when, when I went to look for it. I was, You know, I, I'd i seen bits of it and I thought, oh, is this is good and and it seems to get good big good game reviews and I couldn't believe that there was so little of it, you know. Mm. So that's an amazing... Again, that's an amazing sign that you're onto something because yeah. usually something's three episodes. People look going, it, it's three episodes, you know, and we don't remember it. So it's, yeah, it's... Uh, well,
2: yeah, there might be... It feels like... It'd there. be nice, but I've kind of... One thing the pandemic thought, told me, and this is, again, coming back to sort of being religious, there, there, there is a thing in Islam which is like... If something is meant to be, it will happen I'm paraphrasing, but if something is meant to be, it will happen, and if it's not, it's just not meant for you and i'm just I've just thrown myself into that I'm like yeah. if, it, if, if these things are meant for me, they will happen for me, there's nothing that can stop it, and if it's not meant for me, I'll try, and if it doesn't happen, fine, yeah, and it's just made getting rejection a lot easier to process
0: yeah I mean a lot of comedians need need that, so if you could convert a few of us to, <laughs> yeah, to, that, yeah. to that way of thinking. I don't, need a, I don't quite... need a competition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, the, the important point of that is to try. Because it would be easy to yeah, sit yeah. back and go, yeah, yeah. well, whatever yeah, happens yeah. will happen. You've got to try. Mm. and But I think that, you know,
2: regardless of
0: faith, that's just a, that's a sensible yeah. way of looking at... Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you
2: know, just, and like I said, luck. Luck, luck, makes, yeah. luck plays such a tremendous part in these things. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, i kind of made my peace with it. But if it does happen again or something similar, I'll, yeah, of course, I'd love that. Cool. Yeah,
0: well, I, I, I'm sure it will. Um, I'm sure it will. It was really good. Let me ask you some emergency questions before I forget to do that because I'm going to... Uh, let's see what we've got. I'm going I'm to go back to early on in the emergency questions canon. This is 1,001 emergency questions. Oh um, well, this is the first one that's come up. So I'm going to ask you this. Would you rather date a man who is a six foot tall penis or a man who, instead of having a penis, has a tiny man down there? So you have to date one of these two fellows. So what, one, what's of them, the one, one of them is a, a six foot tall penis, but he right. doesn't have anything else, doesn't even just, have balls. Just a, just a penis. Just a penis. He shuffles along like a right. slug. <laughs> um, he's got a face on his, hel- on his helmet. Right. Is he circumcised? <laughs> <laughs> would, that, would that be a deal breaker it, for you would, if he's it not? It would,
2: it would potentially.
0: <laughs> I don't like to do it to him because it's sort of like his... It's
2: like a haircut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if it's a, like a haircut, it's okay. But if it's like his, you know, part of his next bit cut off, it seems a bit worse. Um, <laughs> or a man who's instead of having a penis, has a tiny man, another tiny man down there. So it's like two men in a one. I'll, I'll go for the second option. Yeah. I'll go for the,
2: the man squared. Okay. I'll go for the the man plus, the man plus little man. Yeah. I think that could be quite fun. I think it'd be nice to have, you know, his yeah, company. Yeah. If he pisses me, it. me off, i will be like, let's fucking tell him. <laughs> Stop dicking about. Sorry, no offense. <laughs> Good. Um,
0: uh, have you ever seen a ghost? Oh, he has. He's looking at one now.
2: I think so. Yeah? I was in... So when my mum got remarried in Pakistan, I would have been four years old, four or five years old, and she got married to a man who lived under the side of the village. I was living in my grandma's house. And I didn't really understand what was going on. I don't think I even realized mum got remarried. I think I just didn't... She just wasn't in the house anymore. Right. So I was just very confused but I didn't know she was living on the other side of the village. And this village wasn't big. It was like, you know, probably the size of a shopping centre. And I sneaked out of the house dead at night. This was in the 80s in Pakistan, so there was no electricity in the village. So pitch black was pitch black. And snuck out of the house, kind of knew my way around the village, sort of a bit of light from the stars and stuff, but very, 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 very dark. And I remember turning into one alley, and as I turned in a figure stepped out from the other side of the alley. And I don't mean... Like, he didn't turn in, he stepped out. So I just froze and kind of just looked at this figure. And it looked human. It was a human figure. I just looked at him, panicked, didn't say anything, and just turned back and just ran. Right. Ran home. And now I'm old, I'm like, how do you even know how late it was? It could have been past midnight. could have been 8 p.m. I (laughs) I have no idea... So it could have just been someone on their normal, sort of just, just walking around the village or going or, or, the, or doing the reverse journey that I was doing. Um, or, or I saw a ghost, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I was terrified. There was no one else awake. And, and, but I think the thing that I remember is that this stepped out, it didn't. Scared that guy, yeah, scared, scared the life out of that guy. <laughs> But it didn't like it didn't turn into the it didn't turn into the alley. Yeah. It stepped out as I turned in. Yeah. It stepped out, and that always that always stays with me. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how, why did he step out and not turn in? Yeah. So that's what always makes me think that maybe it was maybe it was a ghost. Maybe it was a ghost. Yeah, Or
0: just a drunk man.
2: It was a ghost, Richard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. Um, so look, you're doing a new show. If you have you started if you start work on your new show, is this populist? Um, no, so Popul-
2: populist was, last became, was my last show which became yep. Testify, I think. Okay. Well, so what's the what's the new tour? Called? Um so the new tour is called After Eight. Okay. Um so it's because I played a character called Eight in Man Like More Being. Of course uh, you did, yeah. Which 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 is not in anymore. Uh spoilers. And um and so the show is called After Eight to reference that it's after that. Yeah. And also if you, you know if you the show starts at 8. So, you know. There's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, so that will be on sale in two weeks' time. Okay. Including in this room. So, please do buy tickets. And, um, yeah, i will be all over the country uh, if you're listening at home, which most of you are. Uh, um, so, yeah. Hopefully. All over the Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully more at, Hopefully, yeah. at home yeah. than in here. Fucking hell. <laughs> <on. laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I'll be all over the country. <laughs> TezIlias.com for tickets. Um, and, yeah, those tickets go on sale on the 1st of December, I think. Right, and what, the tour's, like, later in 2024. Yeah, so September 2024 yeah, to cool. December 2024,
0: yeah. Autumn 2024. So how far is the show now? Have you do, do you know what the show is? Are you I working on it?
2: ish Yeah. I think I've got about 20 minutes. Okay. Of serviceable material. Just do it really slow. But Yeah, yeah. That's what Stuart <laughs> or, or Lee does. Tell each bit... <laughs> <laughs> tell each bit three times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I know what the show's about-ish. But it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really have a grand theme. I think I've kind of moved away from writing the, sh- the shows where it kind of had a grand structure and I just want to tell jokes. Sure. Sort of just, just do some routines. And if there's, a, there's probably a loose thread that might hang through it and stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to do a big ambitious sort of um, structured... Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of moved away from that, I think.
0: And do you, you know, obviously you've done lots of different things. You're in acting, presenting, and, you know, do you feel like stand-up's the main thing? Is that what you keep going back to, or is it just part of
2: the... Yeah, I always say stand-up is my wife, and acting is my mistress. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's the way, it, that's the way everything else comes second stand up is always yeah. is always first for me because it's
0: kind of easy you know like once you start getting some TV gigs and TV money and you know get on some, on a panel show or a, mm. your own show it kind of becomes easy to go oh, I don't need to do you know writing a stand up show is harder in a lot of ways than doing, yeah. doing things like that yeah so. it's more
2: exposing it's more lonely it's more yeah. tiring um, but then also the rewards for it are n- like nothing else I've experienced the so sort of being in the room once you've Finish writing your show and you're touring it, or even just in the clubs when you know you've you've written a bit and you go to the clubs and the energy in clubs are always is always are always so great as well and just yeah, there's nothing that bit when people when a whole a whole room of people laugh and sometimes applaud a bit that you've created nothing else comes close.
0: Yeah, and is your audience you know because I'm, I'm interested because obviously you you know you you're playing to two different audiences in, in the book I think and in, and in the, and in the the previous stand up show is your audience uh, mainly Muslims? Is it is it a sort of mixed audience
2: or is it? It is very mixed. I think depending on the town you go it will sort of dictate what sort of audience it is. Yeah. So if I'm in Blackburn or Bradford, um, you can sort of sort of guess the demographic of the people that might come see me. But when I came to Chorley a couple of years ago, it was it was mainly a white English audience. Yeah. Or if I go to Bristol, for example. But then if I'm in Manchester or London, it'll be very mixed. Sort of not quite fifty-fifty, maybe but like sixty-forty, maybe. Um, so yeah, it depends on where I am in the country, the demographics of, of the room. But yeah, I have quite a, quite a nice mixed audience because they come from different places, like from BBC Radio Four, from the Fringe, from the Circuit, from Man Like Mobeen, yeah. and then you know Asian or Muslims who can see someone on TV that they can relate to. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go let's go see someone that looks a bit like us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've managed to sort of gather an audience from a lot of a lot of different places, which is nice.
0: And that's obviously important to you. I think reading the book as well that that you know that you that you feel that you didn't have that as when you were a kid you didn't mm. have you didn't have someone to look at and go, oh, that's that's someone like me. Or that's yeah. someone you know. And, and so yeah, you've, you're, you you're that to that other people, I guess. Yeah. So younger. Yeah. People.
2: yeah, and 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 you get some very nice uh, DMs and emails and all sorts from people who you've inspired that you didn't know about, which is a crazy, crazy thing for me. Because it's not, I don't do this to inspire anyone. I do it because its I enjoy doing it and I'm lucky to make a living from it. But I never think about how it's received. After people have laughed, I've never think about how it resonates with people or how it sits with people or how sort of it's, you know, I'm sure you had the same during the pandemic, man. You know, the messages from people telling you that you helped them get... Through some dark times, a, lot, and a stuff. lot of people
0: told me that made, <laughs> I made it a lot worse. For
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, but, you know,
0: that made it brighter when they came out the other end. Yeah,
2: so. yeah. Nice. Um, just the stuff like that is is is, is, it is very very nice, but it's sort of a sort of a secondary responsibility that gets projected onto you.
0: Yeah. So you're not going to be doing any more a man like Mubeen?
2: Um Not that I know of. Right, not so. that I've been told. I mean, are they still doing it? Is it still? Is there more? Is well, there, more there was a series four that I wasn't in, and then I think there are talks of a series five. But my character is definitely dead. Eight, right. is, eight is definitely dead. Okay, but I but I've not been told uh, that I'm going to be playing nine or or ten <laughs> okay. or seven. Um, so as far as aware, my involvement in it has ended. But, okay, but then you know, never say never. I guess. Yeah, but if it was up to me, I'd still be in it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If it was up to me. I'd be in it. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be controversial, in some ways. Um, yeah, let's let's ask another. Let's ask an, I'll ask a more recent emergency question. Let's have. Let me see what I've got in. Well, actually, my new emergency question. Let's see. Because uh, I, I like you know you uh, Let's see if you have got one for this. Because you're a bit younger than me, so it might be different than me. What is your favourite opening titles
2: from a TV show? Do you have one from? I have one from more recently Thank and you. from yesteryear. Okay, so from yesteryear, Night Rider. Okay, Oh, I love that Night Rider theme tune. Yeah. Always thought it was ahead of its time, and also it was sampled in the one Punjabi song that everyone knows as well. Okay, so, yeah. so I do, I do, I do love Night Rider. Uh, but more recently, I was say, did, oh, what was the show with the vampire set in the South in America, True Blood. Did anyone watch True Blood? The tiles the for that are incredible. Right, okay. That's, they're really, really good. And then Game of Thrones, for one yeah. that people will recognize.
0: Game of Thrones is just too long. It's, it's, well, it's just too long. I, I like it, okay. I'd like just more, you know, incest and. <laughs> <laughs> it's fu- eating into my incest yeah, time. <laughs> people fucking each other and <laughs> being murdered. That's what I'd like, yeah. It, just it took honestly. me about
2: four seasons to figure out that whatever towns they showed in the titles was what was going to happen in that episode. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah it took me ages to think. I was like, oh, that's where we're going this time. Okay, nice. <laughs> Bravos, good. Oh, nice.
0: Maybe they could just show the whole episode in there. in <laughs> yeah, there yeah. It's a very quick <laughs> version of the... <laughs> Just let you know how much you have to fast forward yeah. to get to the bits where there's someone's bottom. <laughs> that's all you need. Um, right, I'll do let's, I'm going to go random emergency question. And then we, we'd, you know, it's been terrific. It's gone, again, gone stupidly quickly. Uh, let's see what we have. Not that page. Uh, oh, that's, that, that's a bit. Well, I'm going to ask it. So, but it's, not, it's not an end of the show question. Do you think democracy is broken... And what would you replace it with? Oh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
2: Yeah, no hesitation whatsoever. I would replace democracy with a um, benevolent dictatorship tomorrow. <laughs> okay, completely. Who's in charge? Is it you? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not that benevolent. But I, I think, <laughs> I think, I think an autocratic dictatorship where they put people in charge of things who are experts in that job. Would be much better than the system we have now.
0: I mean, wouldn't it just be? It doesn't have to be the autocratic bit. Just people who are experts in the job. in but in democracy, the,
2: the thing with democracy is everyone just short-term thinking for the next election and how, what, is, what is my legacy going to be once I leave this seat? How can I win the next election? Short-term populism and all of that stuff. And I just, I'm not into it. Yeah, I mean, give me a benevolent dictatorship anytime. <laughs>
0: Well, be careful what you wish for. We make, we make a... I sort of... The, the thing that people... You know, I, I think, like, with democracy, I would just love every vote to count, right? Just yeah, for yeah. A, for a first... I
2: think first-past-the-post doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the argument against first-past-the-post was you'd just get coalition governments. But we just have coalition governments anyway because all the parties are... You look at the Tory party, it's a coalition of fucking...
2: Of cunts, yeah.
0: Yeah. Of... <laughs> 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 but... But some of the cunts are really, yeah, really, yeah. really big cunts. Yeah. Yeah, some of them have a the capital C. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them are just well meaning cunts yeah, who've, yeah, yeah. who've chosen the wrong side. <laughs> but you know, it's basically UKIP and you know, and soft Tories and people who are basically liberals. And you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a coalition, and, and then it can fall apart if. You know, someone goes. So yeah, i, I you know, I don't know.
2: I and think, same I with think labour. Far- you've got you know, you've got the right yeah, no, side yeah, of yeah. labour, and then you've got the you know, exactly all the way to the left and stuff, and then we're in the middle. So, and then, yeah. But you know, so uh,
0: politics is about democracy. Could work if everyone just you know has their say, and then everyone votes on it. It's, mm. it but it is, it is yeah, the party system is is screwed. But are we going to change it, Charlie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's bad. So we're
2: not. We're not going to change. I don't think we are going to change it.
0: Right. Let's see if I've got one with cocks or shit in it, and then we'll uh, that'll, that'll, that'll be better.
2: Also, I worked in the civil service for ten years, so I saw very closely how things work. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Or not?
0: Well, well, but also, my friend used to work in the civil service and left the civil service, and just, you know, absolutely worked with the with the, the government ministers hmm. and knew how fucking shit they were and. And yeah, how, yeah. how little they listen to anyone. And post Brexit, like loads of
2: people left. Yeah, I mean, I wrote, I wrote speeches for Theresa May, right? Um, on modern slavery, not on. Um, <laughs> no, and that was the one thing that she, she sort of. So I worked in modern the modern slavery unit because she found this one area that no one would object to. Which so there's no pro-slavery lobby. Everyone is anti-slavery. Yeah. So she found this one area where <laughs> she could look good in right. and be like, I'm, "I'm stopping modern slavery and stuff," and everyone's like, "That's great." And So she just used it as as the one thing to be like, look, I am a human being. Yeah. But sort of, it was it was quite a nice area to work in because you feel like you're in the one area of the home office that is actually doing something positive. Yeah. As opposed to the rest of it. I mean, do you
0: think everyone disagrees? I think that like, the world's going to a point where some people are going, no, I think you know, GB News. Well, that should be a little bit of slavery. Yeah. Make Make Britain Great Again.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Right. Let's see what Let's see what comes up, and then we'll. So we've got the tour coming up. Got, is there anything
2: else exciting coming up for you? Um, that SES Who Dares Wins, that'll be on the telly at some point um, next year. Yeah. Um, were you, and... were, were there, was there any, any tosspots? Uh, no, everyone's dead nice. Were well, they nice? Uh, no Matt Hancock in that one? Uh, no, I had, I had John Barrowman and he lasted half an afternoon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. He just quit on us and we were like, John, what are you doing? They <laughs> were just like, yeah, he just, he just didn't fancy it. And I should probably spoil, well, I'm, I'm spoiling the series. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't win, so I don't care. Um, but no, just, everyone's, everyone's dead nice. Everyone's just dead nice. So a lot of reality, reality people, reality TV people, who before I'd ever worked with any, I had a kind of quite a negative view on. Sure. Um, but the more that I've worked with them and the more that I meet them, I just think, A, they're very lovely. B, they're very, very smart and very, very good at what they do. Yeah. And just, also just, just sort of just dead nice and sort of not very political in terms of like... but it's also not necessarily a good thing either, but just very like they're there to do their job and they don't really think much else about... Or if, if they do have much opinion about the rest of the world, they kind of just keep it to themselves yeah. and they're very just focused on making their money and, and, and doing their job. Just in a way quite admirable. I wish I could be like that. I think Ign- so. Ignorance is bliss.
0: It's. Good. I mean, you know, I think you're engaged with the world and you're interested in the world, and you know, you're at, you can be outspoken about stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good. You know, I think that's a that's a thing that we're losing from TV because it's. You know, it's you can't go on those sort of shows and you know and start yeah. saying the things that you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So uh, you know, it is. Yeah, it's interesting, but I think you've got to keep that spark inside you at least. You know you're as we're all human beings, we have different aspects of our lives, and we don't have to that's what that's what your stuff is I think your stand up is that' it's, you know it's not about it's not like going here I'm going to talk about Islam or I'm going to talk about this it's those are things that just weave through it mm. but if you know if you if you just got up on stage and talked about you know something seriously you, you know it would be it wouldn't be the same as yeah. you know as I think you do it brilliantly in the book it's just you know weaving together all these different aspects. Um, right, let's see what let's see what comes up. This is it. Make or break for the for this podcast episode. All dependent on this question. What is the most embarrassing photo of you that your family have on display? I can't think. That's not that's not we'll have to get it out and put it up. I'm trying to think if what I've got of that. Never asked that question before.
2: My <laughs> this, is gonna, this is gonna I don't want to ruin the vibes. But um, I don't don't have a lot of pictures from me as a kid because my stepdad burnt them all. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. When he kicked me out, he burnt a lot of my... um, a couple of albums of old pictures. So I don't have a lot. Wow. That's fucking amazing, though. If you've read
0: the book... Um, I know, but you've... you've, Yeah, yeah. he was a character. Yeah, of course. But also, uh, the thing I was going to say in your book is you burnt all your school books as well. Yeah, I did, I did. Which I is did. like, I, I, I burnt, I, I, the only subject I didn't like was art and I was very bad at it and I burnt all of the, um, all the art I drew at school, middle school. I burnt it all in a fire. Is that the same, is that why, the,
2: burning your books? Yeah, the reason I burnt, so I just burnt my, as in the... the exercise books. Yeah, all my exercise books from school. Generally, the reason I did it is because my cousin did it. And I wasn't, I wasn't a very cool kid, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's fucking cool, that. And so I thought I'd burn mine, and now I'm like, what a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Why did I do that for? Like, that would have been a treasure trove. It would have fucking helped me write the book. If, first if... of <laughs> all, <laughs> what a treasure trove I threw over yeah. And um, yeah, so I, re- I regret that, but I just wanted to, be, to do something because I thought my cousin was very cool, so I'd, I thought that was a cool thing that he did, so I thought I'd. I think for him it was a cool thing to do because he didn't really like school and yeah, yeah. he didn't really get on with it as much as I did. But I liked school. Yeah. So it wasn't a cool thing for me to that's do. That's why, I was, uh, that, yeah,
0: just um, that detail stuck out. Just because I'd done it on a small scale and I know why I did it is because it, it, it signified my own failure yeah, or something. Yeah. It's me trying, trying to be
2: something that I wasn't. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: And yeah, you know, that's... I kept nearly everything, I have to say, and most of it is not stuff that you want to look back at. Like maths... Exercise books are not interesting. (laughs) From when you're twelve, you know. When you're four, you go, "Oh, look!" uh." When you're twelve, oh fucking hell! I wish I'd thrown this away. It's it's difficult to throw it away. So, burn your books, kids. Burn your exercise (laughs) books, your school books. Um, I'm yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. That's a moment of sadness at the end of this joyful
2: <laughs> as soon as as soon as you asked it I thought oh, I could just make something up <laughs> no, but I, like, I
0: like I like but again I think that's what I like about you that you would do that and I think it's uh, you know fucking hell <laughs> uh, yeah but you just think about you have to think about what kind of person that would be you know yeah. you, the minute you know that the kind of person who would do it because it doesn't matter you know it, do, it you you have to be a certain type of person to do that mm. and you know and it's a
1: fucking cunt yeah he was
2: he actually still is but yeah Yeah. okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you come out
0: well and on that note ladies and gentlemen please give it up for the amazing Tez Ilyas thanks so much thanks everyone hopefully see you on my stand up tour as well you have been listening to Bar with me Richard Herring and my guest Tez Ilyas thank you to Scam Regard for doing the music and also, I'm indebted to my producer, director, friend, Chris Evans, not that one, and his son, Ben Evans, not that one. Thank you to Beck Cliff, who's my tour manager, George Linkford, who's the incompetent soundman, and everybody at Trolley Little Theatre for looking after us for a second week. It's lovely to have us back. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and going past the stripe.com production.